Welcome to episode 427 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. We thought we were in a rhythm. That rhythm is now gone because missing from his beautiful head is his patented scary hat. It's Russell John the Fisherman. Hi, how are you doing? I am well. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, he's not wearing a hat. Sometimes he does wear a hat, and when he does wear a hat, we call him Hat Randy. Michael Stat. That's me. What's up? Yeah, no, no hat today. Shaved head. Just hanging out. Randy, what's the current temperature in Atlanta, Georgia? Uh, I don't know. It's like 70-ish. No, it's 80 actually right now. But cloudy. That's op- that is optimum hat weather. Looks like sun's out, guns out. Yeah, I have my uh, my tank top on right now, so you know, just letting it, letting it, letting it fly. Render, are you a tank guy? How many tanks you got? Uh, I got zero, but for the theater of the mind, I have one on right now. I have never- on a on occasion back in the day when I would play shows. I would uh, on occasion I would wear a uh, a cutoff shirt. If it got hot. Where, where is it cut off? At the midriff? To show that little belly button? Yeah. And the sleeves. <laughs> Russ, were you a, you're, you're a tank guy. No. I mean, you have, you, have, you have the undershirt tanks. Yeah. But I wear them under a shirt. But you are, I mean, have you ever made the conscious decision in your adult life of going out in public in um, some sort of tank situation? When I was like newly graduated from high school and I was like a hundred pounds lighter. I would exclude that. I had a black tank top that I would wear sometimes, but yeah. Oh, was that your show top? Uh, it was good. It was thick enough. Uh, black, you know, it's also slimming. I was Mm -hmm. also a lot slimmer. I was working out all the time and skating all the time. I was like, you know, the, the delusion was a little bit, uh, grander back then. Sure. You know, the air was thinner. Yeah. You know, the wine was a little sweeter. Now, wine that is cut with Coca-Cola. Randy, what is that called? It's called a uh, Cali Mocho. It's uh, rather good. Sounds sounds strange, but it's good. Russell, you ever heard of this nonsense of wine and Coca-Cola? Yeah, I think Cobra drinks it. Of course. Exactly, Randy. What kind of Wyoming, deep web, <laughs> deep, dark YouTube nonsense are you talking about right now, dude? Is uh is Cobra from the Basque region? Because apparently that's where it's from. There is a large Basque population in the uh, city of Boise, Idaho, uh, where is the f- first and only time that I've had it. But it's it's good. How you get from Basque to Boise? You, you know, you'd have to do some research on that. <laughs> I'm not sure. See, that's my problem with Randy. If Cobra were to offer him a drink with Coke and wine in it, he would uh, turn his nose up and refuse. Coke wine. But if there's some like high tootin' snooty culture behind it, he's like, mmm, delicious. And this is it, Randy. If a movie's put out by Criterion, you're all about it. If it's on YouTube, no. What the fuck, Randy? You wouldn't even catch me in a room with Cobra, so. (laughs) I'm just saying, no. I think there's a bigger point here about the power of persuasion and and the importance of marketing in general. 
because yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to sell me on one of two options <laughs> of like, hey, the product is Coke and wine, here are our two possible spokespersons yeah. to sell this. Either an entire cultural of cultural importance or this <laughs> disgusting <laughs> troll rat from Wyoming. Uh-huh. Of course I'm going to go with the cultural thing. I guess the problem would be that you're not like identifying the drink on its own. But that's what I'm talking yeah. about. It doesn't yeah. matter. It I doesn't it. matter. To be fair, if, you know, if Cobra with his stinky pinky handed it to me and then somebody with their pinky out handed it to me, I'd be more likely to take it from Cobra. I, that's, yeah. that's a you thing. I know. And you have to know that you're in the minority on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm saying, you know, at least I'm paying attention to it. I'm, I'm, uh, I, can I am identify, also paying attention. We're just on the opposite side. You know, yeah. I'm just not into throwing makeup on a pig. Just give me the pig. <laughs> well, sometimes people want to fuck. Miss Piggy's hot. That's all know. I'm saying. Wait till you see her without Miss makeup. Miss Piggy, holla. <laughs> oh, I've seen them. I'm going to tell you. I've seen piggies with the makeup and piggies without the makeup. And piggies still squeal. Welcome to episode 427 of the Overlook Hour. Uh, Oksana, uh, maybe in a little later. Um, so, oh, as we hear the door come in. So I'm sure she's going to brighten up the room with her bright, wonderful personality. <laughs> I only say that because last week we made the joke about that. I'm tying everything together. You French? Ooh la la. <laughs> yep. what, what? We, that's a white trash joke my dad used to say all the time. What are you, French? Because when you include somebody, but they, you know, didn't give consent. Randy knows all about consent. Ask him. All right. Uh, how was your week, boys? Bland. Randy. Bland. <laughs> the most exciting thing I did this week was on Friday, I attended a live stream for Dead by Daylight. Uh, oh, what the uh, I was, high bar. Man, I was so pumped, too. It was really sad. I've uh, <laughs> I've been trying to put together a... Uh, I don't know how much I want to get. I've been doing work at home, kind of the kind that you don't get paid for. And I stepped away from it to attend this dead by daylight live stream. And it was interesting because it was supposed to happen. What's the date today? It's the 21st. It was supposed to happen in two days, but uh, it got moved up to Friday because everything has been leaking. So I don't, did you hear any of the news? No, everybody's been fucking covering it. So one, about Dead by Daylight, yeah. I'm not in any circles that would come back to me about Dead by Daylight. I, uh, yeah, like Bloody Disgusting, a lot of film sites have been no. covering it. Also, uh, like IGN, any video game stuff. Um, one, there's a new collaboration they're doing with Cosmetics where Iron Maiden and Slipknot are coming in. Oh. Yeah, so they're, gonna, they're probably going to, I don't know if they're going to bring Eddie into the game. They would have to. I, it'd be cool. I was pumped for that. Slipknot, you know, I think it's a little uh, more lowbrow, which you would think I'd love, but I'm, you know, I still turn my nose up to some things, but I, I am excited about that too. But Slipknot the news rips. that everybody, is that authentic? Or are you joking, Randy? I would uh, frequently listen to the album Iowa, especially when we were on tour and we would stop through Iowa. <laughs> As a bit or like... Uh, right. both. Yeah. It just felt like something you needed to do, you know? Yeah, I get it. I, um, was already over the band by Iowa. I think I've talked about it on the show Damn. before. I had a neighbor who I introduced to Slipknot and, you know, after one day of playing music for him, I came back, he had a poster, a shirt, the, by the album. I went, I'm over this band. 
and I, <laughs> I dipped because, you know, this is how I do things too. Um, because you weren't happy with the monster you created. I was like, oh, you everybody's in, into this now. <laughs> you had to go back to the lab. That was it. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those elite high with school kids. With a pen and a pad. Who, you know, I hide the band from everybody. What did you say, Randy? I said with a pen and a pad. Trying to get this damn label off. What? <laughs> was Forgot that a Weezer lyric reference. or something? Okay. Um, no, but the news that everybody was covering is that they're introducing a new, again, it was the seventh anniversary stream. So they covered a lot of shit. They had fucking designers in Japan coming up with costumes. They had their creative team is all over the world. And they were talking about implementing uh, game changes and they're always fine tuning it. But the thing that everybody tuned in for, because it leaked days before, is that the new survivor is going to be not in costume that we know. Not uh, any heightened version of himself, but it's just Nicolas Cage is going to be yeah. in the game as a survivor. Now, at this at this juncture, has this franchise jumped the shark? No, but I am scared that um, I think it's a great choice, especially because okay. I got a bunch of DMs from people who are like, I think I need to start playing the game now. So I'm like, they know what they're doing. I just don't like the idea of going down a um, let's make a uh, little contracts with actors all over the place for like their likeness. That sounds that would dilute the water for me. Now, what if they added Keanu Reeves character in Cyberpunk, who he played Johnny Rockets or whatever he played? That would be jumping the shark. <laughs> that doesn't make. Yeah, that would be really dumb. Um, but Nicolas Cage is a genre guy. And I mean, you know, he just sure. came out with Renfield and stuff. There's a lot of opportunity there. And people just were eating it up. I, again, the real, what it makes me think of is that fucking Willy's Wonderland. I wish that movie was better. I had, I had a fun time. It was okay. Because but man, I, I didn't care. Yeah, but I mean, how do you fuck that movie up? Like, how do you make that movie, like, not fantastic? You don't give... Uh, Nicholas Cage any lines I think they went for too much like style And I I don't know I There's think some good songs in there I didn't I don't know It They were trying too hard I, Yeah Remember that night like Robbie was over here We had like a movie marathon oh, sleepover yeah, oh, yeah. Dude it was primed to be a lot of fun And instead it was kind of like eh, It was okay Later we watched A Brexless Yeah we would Dude it was great We watched Girls Night We watched a ton of shit it, Man it was fun Girls um, Night and did you hear about the drama with the Five Nights at Freddy movie? No. So they were, you know, if you were a select few, you could watch the trailer ahead of time. And it was kind of how they were feeling out. They, they do this with every movie. Well, somebody recorded it off of their laptop and then leaked it. And they're like, hey, and I mean, you know, this is how you get fame if you want to be a fucking vlogger or something. Except the community rejected it. Mm. And everybody got mad and started reporting him. They're like, well, why the fuck did you do this? Damn. So nobody wanted to be spoiled. And um, I think he's facing a lawsuit. That... Randy, you might want to check me Ooh. on that. But I think he put out a video like begging people like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like, like I, I tried to help the community. Damn. Yeah, And they're just like, dude, fuck you. We didn't want this. So I don't know. It's all kind of in the air. That that's the most exciting thing I did was Dead by Daylight. It's hard to tell what what these streets are going to give you out here in 2023. Yeah, it's all about the the niche community you're yeah. in. I'm I'm kind of uh, excited that they rejected it though. Like, don't be leaking yeah, our shit right? because I wish the fucking Scream community did that. But also, we're a solid near decade far 
behind on get a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Like I know they're kind of late cares? to it. A lot of people still. Yeah, yeah. I I only know that video game as a reference because um, when I was doing comedy, uh, one of the comedians there who had worked the door a lot would bring his son, who was like in fifth and sixth grade. And he would always be upstairs at like the bar area and uh, would always be playing that game. And uh, we'd talk about it. And, oh. that, and that and that kid has to be college age now. You know, it's funny. I'm going to I'm going to put out a little bit. Of, Oksana's not here so I can do this. But uh, her, her sister texted her and was like, hey, uh, can you get a take a phone call? We got to talk. And I'm like, oh, no, what the hell's going on over there? And um, long story short, she was like, I need you to be on my side when my son uh, talks to you about the Five Nights at Freddy movie. Because she's like, Bloomhouse is putting it out and it's too scary for him. And I'll tell you right now, I'm like, I would sneak him to that movie in a fucking heartbeat. I know you would. That's, I feel like it's culturally what you have to do. Okay. But you also need to understand. It's you fine. Ne- you need to respect how parents raise their children. I get it. But I I would only expect that out of you. Because I, no, because I, d- brother, do you not think I don't get this shit all the time? <laughs> what do you mean? Where all they where the they contact you and they're like, per- hey, you yeah, got to back like he up? can't watch. Yes, I don't know. And so so it's like I'm not going to win these fights. Yeah, because it's not my business. So like I can make as many arguments as I want to, and I know that I'm right. Okay, but what about? But it's not. It's uh, I, just not my game. What about in your childhood though? You didn't have a renegade again, in your life. Again, no, no, no. Again, I, I that is the fuel to the fire, and that is the that is the prime argument that I make. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, you created this monster, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. But I because don't they, think they make the rules. I don't think whoever ushered you into whatever kind of uh, cultural or life-changing event had asked for permission though. I think they just kind of did it. And I, I know some people who are willingly like, you know, I made a judgment call. I disagree with my sister and I'm just going to show them. And I feel like I would, I don't know. Five nights at Freddy. It's like, PG but again, 15, but maybe? I, I'm going to tell you the, the repercussions of that. I get it. Are going to be great because it's not going to be, just a, I'm mad at you. It's going to be a, a whole lot <laughs> of, of, of familial guilt that has been saturated and saturated it, yeah. for years and years. And nothing else on this planet can rival that frustration and pain and guilt that you will receive from I, that end. I think this is the one opportunity that's come up on the show where I benefit from being a West Coast elite, though. Because I think our family structure is a lot weaker than uh, that in the South. So I th- I think <laughs> yeah. the guilt that would come from a parent is mostly ignored out here on the coast. Because again, it's all it's all tied back to the Holy Father. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we live uh, on top of each other in sardine cans yeah. in the city. And, at you know, you're, you don't become an adult until you say, fuck off, mom and dad. Right. So I think, yeah, I think I would get away with it. No, I'm not even talking about mom and dad. I'm talking about I know. Yeah. siblings. Yeah. Well, what if it's an in-law? Again, that's not my... It's, <laughs> you thought I'm about not, it. Yeah, no, I, no. It's, <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, because it's not family. I mean, honestly, I... The, well, that, how would that even... 
What's the scenario there then? Well, I mean, like literally in this case, because it's Oksana's blood. It's like her blood nephew. Oh. Yeah. No, but again, you got to you got to back Oksana on this, man, because it's gonna come back to her. I get it. You got to be there for her, because I'm telling you, man, that shit. It's bad. It's it gets bad real quick. Um. So while we were talking, I looked up that NDA breakage. There was a lawsuit, and the guy was begging for it to be dropped. (laughs) Fucking idiot! That's the problem. Like you, that is funny. You you film somebody who's hung themselves in the suicide woods in Japan. And you hope to leverage that into a a, a wrestling career. Exactly. <laughs> into your own pay-per-views and shit. Also, and people forget. But when you don't get that and then a lawsuit shows up. Uh, like, did you hear about the guy that faked a plane wreck? I know I'm deep. Again, I've been yeah. living on the Internet. Uh, long story short, a uh, dude was flying a plane and he had a bunch of GoPros in the cockpit. And he's like, oh, no, the engine's failing. So he ejected from that plane like he's in a fucking video game and uh the plane crashed into a mountain and uh i think he's facing legal trouble because people are like you did that on purpose damn because people you know i guess when you're flying a plane they take it a little bit more seriously so they're like what happened yeah and he's like oh the engine failed he got millions of views though on that video because he uploaded it oh yeah. I, yeah i know i saw that guy yeah uh yeah 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 i uh i only saw like a clip of coming through like youtuber jumps out of own plane and is now facing yeah okay yeah so why did he do it to put up a video i mean um i mean you know it, it, i i saw it um <laughs> i didn't see the crash oh okay but uh he was in the middle of nowhere but that's the gamble you're making mountains you're like thing. you know i'll rob one bank and film it and if I don't die, I'll be famous when, on the other end. Let me ask you something. How many people you think are out there off the truly off the grid, just out there in the woods of America? Well, there's Tom Green. Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> so there's two? No, for real. Um, there's people out there. That are like thriving or that are... I think there's people out here not far from where we are out here in these damn woods. I mean... Are, Who's shooting all these fireworks out here? That, I, 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 riddle me that. Wait, if you're talking about people off the grid and we're living, you know, a couple miles from San Francisco, like, are we talking about those people? Off no, the I'm, grid? Talking about, I'm talking about wood dwellers. Uh, that made the choice actively to live a different life. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. Probably a, a thousand. I don't know. There's uh, going to be a thousand. Right. No. I have no way to gauge this. 14, how, 14 million. How many do you know? How many people do I know? Yeah, do you know a single uh No, I mean wood dweller? I know, uh I mean I I know people that are very well you know well spoken in the language of the woods. <laughs> okay. They speak Why? tree? <laughs> yeah. They speak beaver. They speak oak, what, they speak pine. What made you think of that? What do you mean? Just living off the grid. Well, because, uh, you know, he, he flew his plane in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, well, you know, what are the odds of him hitting something out there? But who knows? Somebody yeah. may have their own little fortress out there. Well, that's the other thing. Like, you know, it's a perfect place to wreck. Although I think it turned out that there was a village nearby. So it actually wasn't. I don't know. Who cares? The, you know, the vlogger community that's willing to do this shit. They're not usually the best research. 
Boy, I could have taken that a lot better. <laughs> the vlogger funny. community. Unfortunately, we're in the woods in this conversation. So uh, let's get to our timestamp for the day. It is uh, Sunday, May 21st at 1.43 p.m. And um, I'm feeling alive. <laughs> yeah? I'm not, I'm not chugging the coffee today. Thank God for that. It's fine. Now, it's up to you to keep me awake. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm looking at the Randy, the Randy movies this time. I think uh, he's got it. I don't know about you, though. Into the Deep sounds like a boring documentary. That I thought was newer than it was. <laughs> I, I was I was pitched a certain bill of goods. OK, well, before we get into Randy's review, we do have a, the return of my favorite segment on the show, not because I host it. But it means that I get to work with my favorite found footage adventurer, Thomas Burke. So, welcome back. The TBR reports. Brought to you by Welcome to the TBR report, the segment where we take a closer look at the vast world of in-world camera cinema. Each week, found footage filmmaker turned found footage adventurer Thomas Burke checks in from around the globe to share his newly found found footage. As the leading in-world camera philosopher and proud member of the award-winning Barbados Boys, I ingest the footage and spit out my wisdom. Clark, what did Tom write us this week? Good job. Hey, team. So this week I've got kind of a crazy one. A found footage series called Alan Tutorial, which is directed and starring filmmaker Alan Resnick. Alan Resnick, better known online as Alan Tutorial, was an American creative project YouTube channel that consists primarily of a series of videos in which Resnick plays a fictionalized version of himself who is depicted as a reclusive young man obsessed with giving tutorials. As the video progress progresses... Uh, strange things begin to happen, and Resnick's already tenuous grip on reality begins slowly slipping. Russell and perhaps a few others may recall another film of his I recommended earlier on the show called This House Has People in It. One of the main reasons I admire this filmmaker these one of the main reasons I admire this filmmaker's style has to do with his absurd way of storytelling, but also allowing audiences a chance to figure out stuff on their own. So if you enjoyed the short film he made about the family teenage daughter getting stuck and pulled through the kitchen floor, then Alan Tutorial might just be a nice treat for you next. All the B, TB. More info, YouTube link. Link, YouTube link. P.S. Clark, if you're still reading this, I'll pay you $2 if you exactly watched this and caught the pun. I did not. Love y'all. <laughs> All the best for real this time. Dude, you missed out on $2. Yes, I did. Um. Tom, dude, every time you surprise me. Now, I, I wish you didn't set it up. Okay. So Alan Resnick, he is the mind behind a lot of the uh, Adult Swim late night. Did he not also camera. do an footage of a bear? Yeah, he wrote that one. And I'm not sure of the timeline here, but having watched all of Alan tutorial, it feels like this might have been his way in. Um, This is a really weird one. Now, in the email, Tom mentions that if you enjoyed that this house's people in it, this might be fun. That's to a cool. Yeah, but it's so different. Um, a lot of the YouTube ARGs, they kind of fall into, like, they're their own genre. And it's usually a kind of um, descent into darkness of a, like, niche. So, um, 
with uh what was the one we showed in 24 hour um uh, i am sophie that yeah. that one is all about like the kind of um vlogger high life like style vlog bullshit where there's usually a shallow person just showing off all their goods that one you know went into a descent of like a david lynch film or a psychological horror this one though you know it never really like the thing with i am sophie is there's a couple of episodes that prime you and you know they may even trick you and you'll get in there and you're like oh i know what i'm dealing with and then they start to get weird with alan tutorial though it never really makes sense. Like even from the beginning, I think like his fifth video in again, Alan tutorial is a YouTube channel and all the videos are like about two and a half minutes long and they're all tutorial and they're just weird tutorials though. You know what? Let me look them up. Um, I now Tom sent me a link that somebody had done online where they compiled all of it chronologically into one kind of like movie. So how many are there? I don't know. And that's, um, that's kind of the problem with the way that I watched it. I think, I think about this a lot. Like, um, like, you know, when I make fun of Randy for not liking YouTube and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of art out there and a lot of like interesting shit. And Randy is back on YouTube, by the way. Randy's pro YouTube now. Okay. Well, Randy, when you're off YouTube, you're a good uh, (laughs) example of like a guy who enjoys like art, even avant-garde, but then, you know, the format is different. So the fact that there's, um, let me look. I just pulled up. There's 65. Channel. There's 65 videos. Ooh. It it doesn't feel like a movie. And also when you watch it as the way I did, which is compiled, they're just literally cut back to back. It's not really the right way either. So I kept jumping out of the movie I was watching to go to the actual channel and look at the individual video, not to rewatch it, but you lose a lot. Like part of the storytelling here is the name of the video. So there's one video. In, okay. Let me start off in the beginning. Uh, the first video he put up was how to leak on a piece of paper. And this is just like not a helpful tutorial. Then the next one is how to watch YouTube video online. <laughs> and the thing is the YouTube video is a great example of um, the kind of logic that powers all of these Adult Swim um, shorts that li- followed later, where the way you watch a YouTube video is the dude's filming his laptop screen, and he goes to YouTube and he pulls up a, a video called IRQ Kitten, and it's got like 37 million views, and you know he plays it, and then he copies the link, pulls up another website, pastes that in there, and it's just this like really long adventure through software that kind of completely missed the point of a tutorial video that was already self-explanatory. And that's the most cohesive one. The next one he made was how to make mail into square where he takes an envelope and cuts it into a square by pounding a piece of metal into it. Now I think this is important because at no point is it pretending to actually like there was another channel called how to, and I think they would be like how to fry an egg. And then it would just, it was a lot of um, jump cuts. It was really absurd. And he just made a mess every time. And this dude made a ton of videos where this is a more, there's a lot more venom in this satire with Alan tutorial okay. and the importance of each upload. And I can't stress this enough is that um, the titles matter. So there's one title. It made me think of um, you and Randy. And let me see if I can find it. I think it was called 
how to drip. Uh, dude, I cannot find this. Here's the other problem. If you're going to take something in as a cohesive, like film, you can't really do it on a video page of a subscribe, you know, like being subscribed to an account. Yeah. So there's a, there's a tough thing going on here. Also, what's important with this, with this as a film is that a big part of it is the comment section because halfway through this, Alan starts mentioning like, Hey, your comments are keeping me alive. Also the time. Like videos might come up a year later and a big break kind of, you know, it tells part of the story because ultimately what we're doing is we're trying to figure out who Alan is. I also think having read comments now, these are what, 11 years old, actually maybe a little bit longer. There are comments there from nine years ago to like two months ago. And the problem is the two month ago comments, they're all in on the joke. So they're, they're very removed from the art and they kind of look at it as a old ARG, like old internet history where the comments from nine years ago, they're like fans that were there while it was uh, being unveiled. So like, you know, a more modern comment might be like, man, I wish I was there when this got uploaded and that's fair, but it doesn't really help where people at the time were like, Oh my God, like there's a video. So I, you know, let me, let me describe a little bit of this because what we are really doing here as a film fan is trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. So what I got from like the first act, if I can even call it that it's two and a half hours long, by the way, all of these videos together, that's without going outside of the YouTube channel, which at one point he does watch a YouTube video of a, I wrote it down here because it was very weird of me mime horse gag. So you can look up me mime horse gag, which is a mime in a studio with uh, no audio or anything. And he, I guess he's doing a horse gag, but that's not on the Alan tutorial channel. And this is kind of the nature with an arg. Now I did watch an explained video about this, man, some of the worst fucking like artistic journalism or just kind of um, video essay I've ever seen where they just kind of like shorten it, sum it up and tell you so you can like move on with your life. But I think Alan Tutorial is a child who may or may not be frogging in a vacant home. Mm. Now, I'm the only person that I've seen who came up with this. (laughs) But, you know, what we do is you look at little things like with an ARG, you have to piece it together. So you 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 are starting this frogging conspiracy. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think that Alan has a brother that is never on camera. There is somebody pounding on a door at one point. Well, who's filming? Alan. He does everything on his phone. This is part of the problem with his tutorials is he only has one hand. So whenever he's like, uh, how to do a pull-up summertime video, right? It's He only has one hand. Does he ever address Alan? Does Alan address Alan? Or does uh, his brother, I'm air quoting. Okay. I thought Alan was the brother. There's nobody ever featured in a video. Okay. So Alan doesn't ever talk to anybody except there's one video where somebody's banging on his door. And he keeps saying, like, hold on, making tutorial. Like, I'll be there. Hold on. But nobody ever shouts back. Now. Do they clap back? They don't clap back either. Mm. Um, But Alan is in a small room. And, you know, one of the things with indie horror is you look for the way they treat the environment. And with a lot of indie horror, you know, they don't get blood on the floor or the walls. They don't break anything because it's usually their shit. This room, um, 
is destroyed. There's a video where he has a pipe and he, it's like how to reveal boards and ceiling. <laughs> and he's pulling down like the, the, the fucking like drywall from the ceiling. And part of the video is how to dust your bed. So he's like breaking it on his bed. And it, it kind of taps in, like, I don't know, beds in film, especially on YouTube. When you start tampering with them, it gives me a really gross feeling. Yeah. Like, right. You don't even want crumbs in your bed. Yeah. So when somebody's smashing drywall on a, on a neatly made, uh, looks like they're like, you know, they rolled out a sleeping bag or something, except he did have a video called how to reveal or find wood under your blankets where he peels layers of blankets off till he's like, he finds like, I don't know. This is a very textile channel (laughs) and it's very interesting. It takes a little bit to get on board with it, but I think Alan was frogging in a vacant home, uh, had a computer, was uploading videos, and eventually he gets locked out. Now, the video where he's locked out is the longest video he's uploaded. It's seven minutes long. And from nine years ago, there were multiple, like I think he has a thousand comments on that video now, but a lot of them were people feeling genuinely bad. Because now Alan, we've only seen him, he did one video on like how to get out of the dark and find the light where he kind of breaks out of a room and he even refers to himself as free at that point. But there's another video where he climbs out of his window and it's the only time we see him leave a room. And uh, when he gets locked out, the window is locked and he can't get back in. And he sits outside for maybe three minutes crying. And uh, a lot of the comments from nine years ago were like, this is heartbreaking. And a lot of the comments from a couple of years later were like, this is fake. Like, I don't believe it. And, you know, that's part of the thing that I missed out on is the people looking at this channel and not knowing where now everybody knows it's fake. I mean, Alan Resnick, you know, he's got a career of like this kind of art house absurdity. There's a lot to be mined here. And uh, I'm not going to talk about any more of this, except if you watch a video Watch how to pick up a blue chair off the ground. This video stands out as the most viewed. It is a minute and 53 seconds long. It has 3 million views. And um, it's about him. The tutorial is how to pick up a chair. And the fucking kind of... I, people theorizing about what this video actually means is incredibly interesting. It reminds me of Room 237. Where, uh, you know, people, they think it might represent his dead mom. <laughs> now, there's nothing in this series that would give you that. But if you, you know, the way I watch this, you wouldn't get the title and the comments and the runtime and see that it was 10 years ago and, you know, years later. Anyway, this gets fucking crazy. And it really, as an in-world camera thing, it really calls to the forefront, like how we look at art. And um, a long time ago, I mentioned, I read an essay about the Blair Witch that kind of broke it down, like what the in-world camera thing is doing. And it's giving an audience agency. It uh, offers the most immersion that any film can. I mean, clearly people arguing about whether it's real or not and interacting with the video is different too. Like I watched it on Xbox and just holding a control and kind of, navigating at my own whim is a different thing, but also it allows you um, an opportunity to transform and you get to play detective here. 
And my theory is that Alan was a kid who was frogging in an attic, ended up getting locked out as a lady moved in. We do see one shot of a woman walking in with a suitcase to the house that she doesn't notice he's there. He gets locked out. He's in the woods for a while. I think somebody might have abducted him. Uh, Oksana, when I was talking to her earlier, also I'll turn on your mic as you join us. Um, Oksana. Hello. Um, there's a moment where it looks like he's in like an elevator. I do think that is a the back of a truck. As you can hear people talking, but it sounds like they're in another room. I think they transport him to another place where the um, the cynical <laughs> the cynical artistry that is Alan tutorial really gets cynical where he stops doing tutorial videos and he does news videos. At which point people slide a somebody starts giving him a dollar bill per video as uh, I think Alan sells out. This thing is wrought with art and, and uh, it's got a message in there. And yet, you know, it, it pains me that I know Randy will never watch it. So I'm good. <laughs> You're asking him to watch two and a half hours of 60 shorts. But here's the thing. It's not edited like, together non-chronologically. I know. It's not like I'm asking him to act, watch an eight hour Filipino movie that he has to drive to a location to do. I would do that willingly. I understand. But what's the difference here? It's just more up my alley. (laughs) See that I'm like, some people like sports. I don't watch sports. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like a, uh, I mean, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't like it, but it's just not something I'm going to go to. All right, let's do this here, here. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to do the, I'm going to sell it to Randy the best way possible. Okay. Randy, watch the blue chair thing. I'll watch the blue chair thing. Let's watch. It's the two minute one. He said, that's the, uh-huh. what? that's the gateway. Well, the it's not really a gateway though. It's just, no, if you want to watch the best it, of the best, if you want to watch a gateway where I think a lot of people actually came in the closest to a real tutorial kind of like fake out is, um, how to smoke. Clark might be into that one. I think it's called how, how to draw a manga head. <laughs> Ooh. Manga head draw tutorial at um, the way this starts is he has a blank sheet of white paper that he uh, begins drawing lines on to make it look like binder paper and like little holes included. I think that's the one where people may have genuinely gone to like learn how to draw in the style of. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then we're like, what the fuck is going on? Excellent. Because that one has five hundred and six thousand views. Oh, yeah. For sure, there but, was a lot of cross traffic there. Yeah, all the other ones had about like maybe two hundred thousand to a hundred thousand. But yeah, I um, again, the thing is, I think Randy would dig this, but there's got to be a proper way to package it and and share it. And uh, I don't know, man. I've been thinking a lot about it, and because I've been fucking around with editing, I think I might try and do it. So uh, do what? Keep an eye out. Maybe I'm gonna keep a little bootleg series coming out here. <laughs> Also, there's only uh, there's only room in my life for one how to, and that goes to John Wilson. Oh my god, John Wilson <laughs> ripped king. off Alan tutorial. Oh boy, <laughs> look look at the controversies we start on this show. I know, Gee, yeah, fucking well. John Wilson. You know, bring him on. We we should have a roundtable. We'll get Alan Resnick and hey, John Wilson. Alan tutorial v how to with John Wilson, dude. I wouldn't also, be surprised like, if they know each other. I do, dude, sure. for real. Yeah, I mean they're peas in a pod. I'm yeah. just you they're know both in the Illuminati together. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely not Illuminati. If they join the Illuminati, the Illuminati's over. 
And we got Mars really has aliens and they're running the planet. They they shoot adrenochrome together down there at the pizza place. Um, yeah. So check out Alan tutorial. If, if you want to talk about it, I'm always open, but, uh, I think Clark and Randy have had enough. So. I'll watch your blue blue chair. <laughs> you know, I understand. And Randy, thank you for being a good sport. I, I tend to pick on you because I'm, we met because you knew who fucking Truffaut was. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh dude, for sure. And these are films that people won't watch. Clark's yawning right now when we mention Truffaut. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is that when I think about the show and what we do, especially me and my reviews, I think I tend to approach highbrow shit and give it a lowbrow look. And I approach Ooh. lowbrow shit and give it a highbrow look. Yeah. And yeah. I'm always trying to balance this shit out. And I don't, it's not something I, I even realized I was doing. But there's, I just think there's like the same kind of art that fucking Criterion's Eclipse series would put out. I feel like they would have the answer to like, how do you, how do you share Alan tutorial with people? <laughs> that is a good way to put it. It is, it is the Eclipse. Dude, because they had one that was called like linear integration. I think I've talked about it on here. And it was like numerology meets frame rates meets like, here's a picture of a, tree by a fence and we're going to go through 24 frames and then we're going to do linear integration and talk about and it's like this is the most boring shit i've ever seen what kind of fence though i think it was a picket fence well then that's that's one of your more interesting fences. it was very rural it's uh the picket fence that's a nice fence well you know it, it makes a good neighbor i've been told as well if you like um if it's nature you're looking for then Alan tutorial, I recommend DIY weatherize hole tutorial hmm. where uh, I, I couldn't begin to describe what the fuck that is about, but there's the thumbnail for it. Okay. <laughs> right, we'll report back next he week. He takes his underwear off and shoves it in the hole of a tree. All right, I'm back in. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> All right, Randy Michael over there in Atlanta, Georgia. He's been out there. He's been living his life. He's been watching movies and sucking boobies. <laughs> sucking <laughs> boobies. Hell yeah. I went to uh, the good old Plaza Theater, who I haven't mentioned maybe in a couple weeks. I don't no, know. No, you mention it every week. It's a fact. I get Google uh, alerts on it. Yeah, but it's mentioned on this show. You haven't mentioned Videodrome, though. Oh, that's, that's right. True. It has been a while since I've been there. I need to. Uh, I need to revisit. I should have yeah, done that this fuck weekend. Those fools, dude. <laughs> they're yeah, the right, checks bounce, dude. <laughs> they're, they're right down the street from the plaza, so I should have. Uh, I should have done a bang bang, but I didn't. Uh, but yeah, I went to the plaza Friday night. Yeah, Friday night to go see the new Paul Schrader film, the third in his sort of um, series of films about. Lonely dudes in rooms, right? Writing in journals. <laughs> Alan tutorial. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starting with uh, First Reformed, which I love, uh, and then Card Counter, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, definitely, you know, it's not going to reach uh, the heights of First Reformed. And then, yeah, this is his new one called Master Gardener. Master uh, Gardener. With like Joel Edgerton playing the main character, uh, Sigourney Weaver's in it. Uh, as well as Quintessa Swindell. Uh, so essentially, 
Joel Edgerton plays a uh, a gardener at this place called the Gracewood Gardens. It's this like really large, really beautiful estate owned by this very wealthy uh, older woman uh, played by Sigourney Weaver. Where's she been? Uh, uh, that's a good question. She was uh, on Marin apparently, and I need to go back and listen to that episode because they talk about Master Gardener. Nobody cares. I don't think I've seen her since she was in that Walter Hill movie where uh, <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez had a penis. Hell yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody cares about Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney's it's all, cool. It's all about Sigourney Beaver. Shout out to the oh, cisgender boy. woman drag no. <laughs> artist <laughs> she's on Dragula. People, she's big in the horror community. Who Terrell hated and then he met her at DragCon and now loves her. Sigourney Beaver or Weaver? Beaver. How does he feel about Weaver? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. Oksana, how do you feel about Sigourney Weaver? Uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> All right. She did yeah, a voice yeah. in Avatar. All right. Oh my I'm God. Out. That's what you pulled? I that's, thought you were going to mention the cat in Alien or yeah, something. Yeah, like that's the most recent thing on her IMDb. <laughs> I'm also not sure if I've ever seen Alien 2. Aliens? That one, yeah. Are you joking? <laughs> With I Newt? I don't think I have. Gingrich? Mostly. Mostly. All right, we'll report back next week with your findings. Oh, that's right. That comes up all the time because she's a huge Predator fan. Yeah. And so people give her xenomorph shit. And she's like, I don't even know if I've seen half of these movies. <laughs> all right, Randy, back to you. Yes, Courtney Weaver is very good in this. Uh liked her quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, she plays the uh like the owner the of this uh very large estate, uh, which I don't think they say where it is, but it was shot in Louisiana. Um, and essentially she is, uh, she goes up to Narvel played by Joel Edgerton, uh, one day and essentially asks her or asks him to, um, take in her grand niece, um, and essentially take her under his wing and like teach her how to tend the garden and like, you know, plant, uh, everything because she kind of comes from a troubled background and like her mom and dad kind of, uh, had some had some stuff happen, so she kind of wants him to sort of be her, like, uh, you know, sort of like a, uh, she wants to be her to apprentice from him, uh, essentially, so he can, she can, like, take over, I'm guessing, eventually. And then once they uh, meet, um, or you start to get some flashbacks, and you start to see that uh, his character, like many Paul Schrader characters, have a troubled past, um, and very potentially violent uh, things and it gets very complicated uh, between the two of them. And it kind of like, it's a movie about sort of like their relationship and sort of her sort of realizing who he used to be and him sort of dealing with that. And uh, yeah, it's very similar, like I said, to Card Counter and First Reformed. Um, there is, so in First Reformed, there's that like sort of like fantastical flourish where they like do the like, uh, they're like traveling through space like together and there's one in card counter that's like not as like fantastical and there's one here that's very kind of similar to that uh, so like I said all three of these movies feel very similar and uh, I like this one quite a bit as well the score uh, there's a lot of music in the movie which I think might be doing a little bit of the like heavy lifting but I thought the score was really good uh, by Dev Hines uh, who's done a couple other scores he did uh, Queen and Slim, which I never saw. He did Palo Alto and he did, uh, oh yeah, that movie Mainstream, which I think nobody else saw. Um, 
But yeah, the score is really good. Uh, performances in this are pretty good. I will say that there is a, I won't say what it's about necessarily. Uh, I think Clark knows because he's heard like stuff from Schrader. Um, but there was people in the movie that I think had no idea what the deal was with Narvel Ross character. And uh, I think it turned people off and there was a lot of people in the lobby that like did not like the movie. And I think I might have been, from what I heard from several people in the lobby, I may have been the highest on it in the, uh, in the audience. Oh boy. If we, so- uh, if we want to get into it, I'll, I'll, I'll give the backstory of his character because I feel like Russell has no idea. I have no idea. Please continue. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, spoiler in case anybody cares, but uh, he used to be a white supremacist. And he has, uh, tat- like, you know, large tattoos of uh, Nazi symbology and stuff. So, essentially, she, uh, the Sigourney Weaver's grandniece. Um, Grand wizard. Yeah. The grandniece is uh, black, or at least partially black. And when she comes in and is essentially, like, learning from him, uh, you know, that comes up uh, and she sees his tattoos one day and uh, yeah, it's get, gets, gets very awkward, but yeah. Um, the violence in, you <laughs> see some, <laughs> there's a lot of flashbacks, which are kind of heavy handed. Uh, I think there was kind of the same thing in the card counter with like the, uh, Abu the war Grabe. stuff. Abu Ghraib. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like primed for a little bit of like heavy handedness uh, in the movie, but um, I think, like, like I said, other people weren't. I think other people were just very turned off by the fact that this movie was trying to uh, redeem someone who used to be a white supremacist who seems to be a very good, very nice person now. Um, I will say that the movie is probably like the more hopeful of the three by the time it ends. But I think some people had some moral obligations to the uh, story. Well, I mean... <laughs> That still doesn't give you a whole lot of room for clearance, even if it is the most hopeful, because uh, First Reform, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know what definitely. I mean? um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember the end of the card counter, because uh, <laughs> that was it was just, I, I don't know. I didn't love it. Um, I am more interested now. I didn't even know about the white supremacist angle, okay, uh, yeah. which to a certain degree is, you know, it's not unfamiliar at this point to use this as a narrative device, but if we use this in the context of the, you know, of the trilogy of what he's doing here with first reformed where, you know, paired in that story is, you know, environment, you know, the environment, right. Um, and global warming, that's a big part of it. And then two, a lot, you know, a lot of, uh, in terms of, you know, the, the, the negative motivations and the, and the cause for anxiety is, is the environment. And then two, a lot of that has to do with PTSD and, you know, being in a war in the Abu Ghraib and the torture. And now this yeah. with, you know, racism and, and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you got, you got to have the fuel some for, to come from somewhere. So, uh, why not do the old tried and true racism? <laughs> that's, uh, that's always going to be there. Russell, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Isn't it Randy? Like. Nobody wants a redemption story, but yeah. you know, when you leak your five nights at Freddy, <laughs> you end up on your knees begging for forgiveness. 
I don't know. I think people are so quick to like other and reject each other that, uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Like first reformed, I wasn't really into the first reactions of people from it, but you know, later on, I, I do like that movie. I think you're right. That environmental stuff. It's like a person pivoting from one religion to another. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Also, uh, I have to say, I do what I do every time Randy talks about a movie. I go on IMDb and I click through all the images. This one offered next to nothing. And the ones that did offer were honestly kind of boring looking until we got to the director who is sitting in a chair who looks like he's hooked up to oxygen tanks, <laughs> has two cup holders, like the, the, the cloth kind that fold out from your chair. One of them seems to have coffee. The other one, I, I don't know what's in there. He's a giant stain on his leg. And he looks a uh, pretty fucking, he looks like a character. Talk about his glasses. Yeah, he's got one <laughs> eye blacked out. He's pointing. Yeah. He's got a, you know. He's wearing a, an SPCA hat. Yep, he's got a, a hoodie with a jacket over it. A giant jacket, a ski jacket. Dude, it is fucking crazy. He looks like a Samuel Fuller type. Like, he's like 100%. full character. 100%. Like, yeah, so I don't know. I want to. I'm going to save this picture and use it somewhere. <laughs> now, again, you know, we, 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 we kid about Schrader a lot, but I, I think in, in all of our own rights, we have, you know, we all like him in our own him. regards and no. have great respect for him. Uh, you know, you, you roast the ones you love, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I, when Randy, because Randy and I saw First Reformed um, as a part of uh, San Francisco International Film Festival, when he was here and did a Q and a, and I, I went to that with 101 fever. <laughs> I, oh, dude, I, I was there. Um, and, and then COVID happened. Dude, I was, I was bundled up like he was cause I had the cold sweats going on. Um, and I fought through that movie, but, uh, it was, it was great. And it's, it was, I, cause I wanted to hear him talk cause he's, he's a great orator and he, he's just, he's, endlessly entertaining to listen to but his his voice is labored and you know there's a lot of heavy breathing and uh but i will say man i'm never not gonna pull for a fat old guy you know because they uh, it's everything is against them everything is going against their favor and they're still pulling through so uh shout out to all the uh old fatties out there i'm pulling for you really all of them all of them no matter what's in their heart, <laughs> despite clock, it's other than clogged arteries. So, uh, is Michael Moore old enough, or my dad worked <laughs> in General Motors? Fucking Michael Moore, I, I I pull for him too. How old is he, by the way? I don't know. Oh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. He's probably not as old as I think. I think he's. Oh, is he like my mom's age? <laughs> he's got to be older. I'm going to say he's 66 years old. Close. He's he's a good number, though. 69? Yeah. Yep. Whoa. Damn. <laughs> That's how you get a neck like that. How's, he, look, how's he looking now? Has he lost some weight? Or is he, uh, yeah. I want to see. He's got a 69 neck, dude. Oh, he's got that. He's got that turkey gobble. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like Louis Anderson. R.I.P. Louis and don't he you wishes he looked Louis, like Louis Anderson. <laughs> God, look at that. God, he looks like it's bad, dude. That's honestly, it, it looks like an infected scrotum. <laughs> <Isn't that? laughs> it's not great. 
Yeah. All right, Randy, back to you. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so besides uh, Master Gardener this week, I had seen nothing up until this morning uh, besides the a couple episodes of the new season of Documentary Now, which I had no idea existed until they Dude. came to Netflix. Yeah, Russell, did you know about this too? They they remade a new season of the Documentary mm-hmm. Now that uh, Netflix just There's dropped. two like I, Herzog episodes. Yeah, starts they're, with those. they're funny. I never watched any of that show. It's good. I know. I've heard. It's good. The Grey Gardens was like the first one, right? Well, that's a that's a horror one. Okay. Yeah. They go horror with that one. So, yeah, this morning I uh, went to the good old, you know, iTunes VOD looking to see if I could find something that y'all hadn't seen yet that I hadn't seen that might be semi-new. Uh, I found a movie called Full Time, which is a uh, a French film, another French film coming from your boy, me, who only talks about French films. Uh, directed by Eric Gravel. Um, and it is uh, a movie about a single uh, working mother who has a very uh, packed schedule, essentially, between her kids. And she is a chambermaid uh, at a hotel in Paris. And she lives in sort of the outskirts of Paris with her kids. And the dad uh, is not really responding to phone calls. And she's expecting money from him. So her entire existence is really like her, her time is full. Like from day she drops off her kids with like a nanny at like five or 6 AM, like before the sun rises and she gets home like pretty much after the sun is set. Um, and then one day she is going to her job in Paris and there is a public transit strike. And this essentially really screws over her job uh and getting to work so she has to find other ways of getting into town and out of town and she becomes very sort of desperate and sort of like begs people for some favors she kind of flirts with like one of the uh bellhops or whatever at the hotel and she like gets him to call a taxi for her to take her home uh and i guess he's like not supposed to do that and then essentially so like the first day like buses are running so she could catch some buses but essentially like she gets like fully stuck like in the city uh, on occasion during, I think there's like the movie takes place during like a, I think like a full week or so. Um, and yeah, the movie, so essentially it kind of feels like a uh, uncut gems or like a safety brothers movie. It's like, there's a lot of like um, sort of like synthy score and it kind of feels like a thriller. Like it's very frustrating to watch. It's very uh, sort of anxiety inducing. I really dug it up until kind of the last 10 minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the movie wanted to, it put puts the main character uh, through so much that I think it didn't want to end on a bad note, but it felt not true to the rest of the movie, the way that it ended. True, true. Yeah, because it, you know, had so much to do with like how hard it is to find childcare and how much like this strike like affects like you know working class people like just there's like a comment someone says like oh yeah they should just or they're suggesting people should just work from home but she's like at this hotel and obviously it's a job that her and like her coworkers can't do from home um so you know a lot of like conversations about like class and stuff like that and uh yeah i don't know i thought it would uh like I said, I not that I wanted the character to like be punished the entire time, but it felt like that would have been a more realistic sort of ending, you know? 
Randy, uh, real quick, man. This is a French production, is that correct? It is, yeah. Who the fuck are the French to tell us about class? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they got issues. Fuck them. This is America. I think they're taking shots of both of you. That's why you're offended. Stick to your escargot and your croissants. <laughs> you little okay. white collar fiends over here. You're like, fuck off, bitch. Work remotely. As a Randy's like, I wish she was punished the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch it, it I feel like the ending is too, it's tied up like too, too well. Um, man, yeah, it just doesn't, it didn't really feel like it's at the same, you know, tone as the rest of the movie. Um, it kind of reminded me of, um, shit, what's the movie called? It's not Sorry to Bother You, Sorry We Missed You, um, which I don't know if you guys ever saw, but it's a British, Sorry, um, it's a British movie by Ken Loach. And it's a very like working class, like movie about this dude, uh, this father who essentially has to become like a gig worker, like a, a delivery driver for like an Amazon sort of. And it sort of like destroys his, his existence uh, <laughs> to an extent. And I remember that ending in a way that felt real, but it was also kind of a bummer. Um, so this is, you know, quite similar to that, except for the ending, you know, ties it up in a, in a bow. Yeah, I agree. I hate that shit too. I Give me a bittersweet. Give me somebody who's been beat up and like pushed, held down their whole life, but they find happiness in it. And then you end and it's like, nothing's going to change. It's all garbage, but they've <laughs> kind of either accepted it or they found like a ray of sunshine and they're going to end their life once the movie's over. Well, it's a gig economy. <laughs> <laughs> but the I, the I think the bubble's about to burst. Yeah. Hot take. I mean, I will say that, uh, first <laughs> breaking news. All right. Just want to shout out that I, uh, I, I decided to watch this. So I was checking letterbox on a couple things, seeing if anybody, you know, that I knew had seen it or reviewed it or anything. And, uh, Jake Isgar had, uh, mm. seen it and, uh, gave a pretty decent review. So that's kind of what, uh, made me decide to watch this one. Yeah, uh, Jake, the current programmer for all the Alamos. Yeah, Jake yeah. Ishtar. <laughs> he would probably dig that. Of course. Yeah. It should be his IG handle. Do you follow him on Instagram? I don't follow anybody. Dude, his stories are pretty fun. Hell yeah. He's always apparently on Hate Street, and he just is like making observations about shit. They're pretty good. Well, that's a good street to do it on. I happen to hate that street. Down on Hate Street. <laughs> right, anything else? No, sir. I'm going to keep this very quick. Because last night I watched a documentary, and I thought it was newer than what it was. It, I don't know. It's called Into the Deep, the submarine murder case that came out sometime between 2020 and 2022. Not this one? Nope. A young woman desperate for an escape no, meets a mysterious a, and attractive a, stranger? is a documentary. But this one isn't? Into the Deep. <laughs> the submarine murder case. Were y'all aware of this Danish fellow that raped and dismembered a woman in a submarine in 2017? Nope. I'm shocked I missed it. <laughs> well, this is a documentary of a guy who... Uh, took a woman on his submarine. Uh, he then proceeded to uh, rape and then quarter her and then throw her dismembered body into the ocean. Um, then he was caught. And uh, things are <laughs> weird. 
You now, know, we all live in a yellow submarine. Yes, we do. Any of us could get ard. Here's why I recommend you watch this movie, and I'm going to keep it very short within that review. He kills the person making a documentary about him. Cool. They had been making the documentary for nearly a year. And then she goes on his submarine and he kills her. And so we have footage. Of the murder? Ample footage <laughs> of, of, of the day the murder happens. Wow. And some strange stuff, he says. That's incredible. And also... uh 11 months prior, it, it closes the movie with some, uh, also some troubling uh, audio that, you know, now in retrospect, boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's a wild story that, you know, in privileged moments, you know, is, is well, unprivileged uh, <laughs> in this particular case because uh, some bad stuff happened. But uh, the, the beginning of the movie is also very interesting because this guy is like a low-key Elon Musk. Um, he was, uh, basically one of the two guys in Denmark that were competing to be the first independent, um, rocketeers in space, uh, first, um, amateur space program, um, to, to go, you know, into orbit mm -hmm. and, uh, he had some funding here and there, but, you know, as, as, you know, as a whole, it was just, uh, you know, a lot of young nerds who looked up to this guy. Why is he low-key Elon Musk? He only had like five kids? In terms of like, in terms of being an amateur space guy. He made the Hyundai Ionic. What? That's an EV. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so well, You don't know the Ionic, dude? No. That's that's what I mean. It's like, you know, he, on, on a lower scale, you know, was trying to launch this amateur space. He only flew program. to the moon? But he also had a submarine. Yeah, it was not a crypto guy. <laughs> he only bought Friendster? So, God, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so he had this submarine. And uh, that's my thing, man. Even if you've known this guy, it's very clear this was, he's a weird guy. He's a murderer. And I would, I wouldn't have gone in a submarine with this guy That's by the myself. first thing. So she went alone? Yeah. No crew. No crew. Why? Was she making a documentary about she'd how be, he was she'd a murderer? Making, no, no, no. Oh. Okay. No, no, no. Um, so, it, but like I said, to close that loop, uh, at the beginning of the movie, um, a lot of his sicko fans are there because they're waiting on them to come back from the submarine. And then so many roads, like they heard that the submarine sunk and there were no survivors. And then they heard that they both were back on the shore safe. And then they heard it was just him and they didn't know what happened to her. And you could just see these people. They had, the, they held this guy in the highest esteem and you can just see that esteem just going <laughs> of them just slowly figuring out what was going on. They were running out of esteem. It's like there again, you want to talk about, you know, privileged moments in documentaries. You're not going to find stuff in it's, uh, you know, that stands out like this does. Yeah. It's harder to get a more privileged moment than your murder. Man. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So into the deep, the submarine murder case. It's a fun watch. If you like that stuff, what do you rate it? I don't. IMDb. Cause I don't, I don't, 
I don't rate murder. <laughs> oh, I am, Clark Little. IMDb gives it a 6.5. Oh, there you go. Which uh, pales I'd love in, to have a 6.5. Pales in comparison to uh, Alan Tutorial's 8.5. Just saying. Oh, mamma mia. Here okay. we go again. I want to talk about a movie. Now, this is a movie that is directed by a man that... Uh, Aren't they all? He is. He is. <laughs> well, that was a good laugh. Uh, this is a familiar name, uh, especially if you are, uh, you know, have some sort of familiarity in the in the comedy realm. Joe Latruglia has been around a long time. Uh, he's a member of the state. Uh, you know, the guys who did um, the deep state, the deep state, <laughs> wet hot American summer. Uh, those guys and, you know, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Joe Latruglia, been around a long time. I love Joe Latruglia. Funny guy. Well, boys and girls, he directed a horror movie. He wrote and directed a horror movie called Outpost. Uh, the release just came out this week uh, on Video On Demand is how I watched it. After a violent attack, a woman searches for strength in the solitude of a lookout job, but is overwhelmed by something darker. Guys, I'm also going to kind of keep this a little uh, hush, hush, guarded because uh, I had fun with this. I like this movie. Now, what I will tell you is that if you go on the Letterboxd application, boy, oh boy, people do not like this movie. <laughs> They're wrong. Um, there are, yeah, there are clear things in here that I fully understand of why people would be not on the favorable side of this movie. But this movie caught me off guard with the direction that they were going and the ultimate uh, story that they were trying to tell. And uh, I found that um, refreshing is not the right word because it's not necessarily the most positive of outcomes. But I was just, uh, I was along for the ride. I bought it. I thought that the the build to that, everything kind of worked, and it was fun. And there's good characters there. There is some familiarity with the cast to a certain degree. Dylan Baker shows up, which I thought was really strong casting. Because, uh, you know, that's a face. You know Dylan Baker, right? Yeah. You've seen that face. Because, yep. I mean, that's the if you've seen Happiness, then you're never going to forget that <laughs> face. So, like, I think that... Um, you can tell that Latruglia, you know, did a good job with with casting here, because um, everybody's solid. And Beth Dover uh, plays our main character, Kate. Uh, now, this movie is centered around, um, you know, domestic violence. Um, is that Kate uh, is you know leaving an abusive relationship where she got uh, beat up pretty bad, and you know has a you know a severe amount of PTSD associated with that. So. Um, the movie uses that as the medium. However, um, at the end of the day, uh, the movie does a good job of basically carrying, hey, if you got any sort of shit going on, you need to deal with it properly. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of what the message is. I mean, honestly, if if Joe, if you told me that Joe Latruglia, if he had a celebrity therapist, that they were a producer on this film and one of the funders, <laughs> I would believe it. Uh, cause I think it's honestly about, Hey, you need to treat things properly. Um, so honestly, I, I enjoyed what it had to say 
because uh, it's um it really paid off in the best for a a genre fan and for a horror movie uh, of how it ultimately got there. I will say it does take its time with that, and as far as the effects go, it's not the most effects driven movie. Um, but you know, when, when we got to get there, it's, uh, you know, some stuff is done. So yes, they could have leaned more in that regard, but, um, you know, I don't know for, for a first time movie, I, I, he didn't go the jokey route. Um, I, I thought this was a well-structured movie, uh, as far as the photography go, it, yeah, it, Again, this is a guy who's been working on sets for a long time. He knows the language. He knows, and you can tell that he is absolutely competent in how to set up shots and make things interesting. Um, and it's great. I, I, I really, I, I, I like, I like Outpost. I like him a lot. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. I think. I think you would see some value <laughs> what I'm saying right now. And I so, would like for okay. you to see it. So you were talking about people not liking it on Letterboxd, and usually that can for me that can be valuable although there's something going on there because if you get really niche and you're doing like a micro budget thing that community does live on letterboxd and they usually are fair this sounds like it's like a low budget or low level studio horror film so maybe it didn't maybe it was trying to be a little bit well, more polished than it ended up being i'm, I'm going to give you two things that i make and help paint this picture for you number one this is produced by our <clears throat> friends over there at Gravitas Venturas. Okay, I like Gravitas. I know you. Don't. I will I don't say, know why. personal beef. They, uh, did they, they produce put, it? Or they, they, they should put respect on our name. Did they That's produce it or distribute it? Well, they they branded it. That's all I know. Okay, I'm going to say they distribute it because uh, this has a um, glossier sheen than the majority of Gravitas's pictures that I've seen. <laughs> this one's I, don't, a, this, I don't know why you don't like Gravitas. No, so, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Well, th that notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying is that within Gravitas's catalog, you can tell sort of the zone of, you know, how much money we're looking at here. I would say this looks better than the majority of those because Gravitas deals a lot with found footage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a much different aesthetic than that. It's completely different. Yeah, it's on their front page. Again, we're talking about Gravitas Ventures. You know, if you're a horror fan, you probably do pay attention to who puts out these movies because you can learn a lot. They do have their own kind of quality or oh, niche. Yeah. So, yeah, Gravitas is a little all over the place. They are. But they usually have, like, some quality. The, my problem with Gravitas... They're busy. I feel like they don't promote their shit enough. Like a lot of their movies, you never hear about. Like you got to be on Amazon Prime or something. I think like, you know they 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 have a lot of volume. They have got a lot of volume. It's, yeah, I, I think that's they focus more on that. Um, now the second thing I will say, Russell, uh, of, of why I think that it's getting some negative feedback is that I think, uh, especially in the horror community, they're looking at our lead here as there it is right there, mm -hmm. almost, um, as a survivor girl. She ain't no survivor girl. Okay. That's all I'll say. It is hard to undo like cultural, uh, I don't know, tropes. I think that plays a big part in it, um, which is why I likes it. I, <laughs> That's why I like it. <laughs> you know, talking like that probably won't get people turned on. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. 
I think people are going to be turned <laughs> off. <laughs> There's our clip. Oh my god, <laughs> that's wild it. Oh man, no, it's uh, it's good. It's no Rudy a docu musical. I don't know what. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Like again, we're on Gravitas Ventures page. It's all it's all shit. I'm not gay a musical. What they they got a lot of musicals. What is Finster? <laughs> I don't know. It does look like something you'd be into. I'm a little into Exhibit Eight. You, it's exhibit just, number eight. All this is, yeah. It's just, again volume. Dude. It looks AI generated. It does. They have a movie called Cult Hero. I'm honestly, it looks like a movie we might fuck with. Honest, <laughs> but it does. Well, this all looks AI know, generated. Hey, what is my house? We have covered a uh, a lot of gravitas on this show. Dude, is that found footage? God, you see a camera in the picture. Hey, it is it is a cultural it does. It's a you know, it's a spotlight. They put up the found footage spotlight. Spotlight. All right. All right. Uh yeah. How did you watch that one again? Uh VOD, video on demand rental, I believe, for five dollars and ninety nine cents. But available everywhere? Like I don't have to go to Voodoo to watch it. Oh, correct. Yeah, I just uh, you probably you know you can uh, rip it right off there off Amazon. I would imagine. Okay, cool. All right, well, uh, that's it. That's it. All right, I um I too I only have one movie. Uh, man, it's been a busy week, and I I you know I haven't been getting out of the house a lot. Now oh, that boy. I've been uh now that I got canned from my job, I'm just home. I'm and fucking, you have uh, long COVID. I'm 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 haunting these grounds daily, and uh, I'm getting a little weird in here watching Alan tutorial. But um, I knew I had to watch something for this show, and I'm like, what should I watch? And I reached out to Terrell, who's oh he knows every fucking horror movie that comes out. I'm like, can you please help? Tell me what to watch. He's like, why don't you watch the movie I gave you? And I said, fair. <laughs> so I went back and I grabbed the. Uh, he did give us a few Blu-rays, but I decided the one that um teases maybe having a goblin in it should be the one that I watch. And of yeah. course I'm talking about 2022's Unwelcome, which is a British production that primarily takes place in Ireland. An Irish goblin? Um, yeah, it's a red cat. Ooh, sounds like my grandparents. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Are you even Irish? Yeah. No, you're not. I'm Irish, Scottish, English. No, you're like Polish or something. No, I'm not Polish. <laughs> <laughs> you're a fucking Pole, dude. You're a South Pole. Dude. I'm not even going to say that because I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to. I'm not Polish. You don't want to offend any of our listeners I'm, out I'm there. A, <laughs> I know I got that bad skin. I'm Come Irish, on. Scottish all the way. They've baby. all watched Gran Torino. They've heard way worse Gran white on white crime. Tor- God, that movie stinks. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you they, know, he's got to stop making movies. If you now. don't like Gran Torino, then don't watch the next 18 of his movies. It's so, Cause it's all, it's a, that's where it right. starts. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, good. so <laughs> shut up, Randy. Uh, so I'm talking unwelcome married couple, Maya and Jamie escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland, only to discover malevolent and murderous goblins lurking in the gnarled ancient wood at the foot of their new garden. Man, fucking IMDb, you always let me down. You always let me down. These fucking breakdowns of the movie. First off, is there no murderous goblins here's or ancient the thing. wood? Oh, there's goblins. Okay. In fact, um, this is I a, saw one. This is a movie where I think uh, I'm going to open up talking about my star rating. I know you're all excited. Everybody backs my 
very consistent star rating. We're not even working up to the star. You're I'm, going straight this to the is star? Fucking, I love this movie. Oh, and here's the thing. Again, once again, this is not a perfect movie. Actually, I think this may be the first movie where I think the script is bad, but the actors were so in it that I felt like they pulled the movie through. It elevated. I And I've never, like, again, I don't connect with actors acting the idea. I mean, I've done it. I love you, Dave O'Shea. I don't know if I'd ever do it again, but uh, it's not my comfort zone. It's not my cue zone, if we will. And I don't, I don't know. I, I'm dumb. When I watch a movie, I think everybody's really living in another reality. And that's why, you know, when I see a Tom Cruise or somebody, I'm like, oh, fake. You know, I'm a found footage fan and I need my immersion. This is the first time I watched a movie where I'm like, nothing happening is justified. Yet the actors were so committed to these roles that I'm like, you know what? It, it's working for me. You're and here's what I'm talking about. This movie, again, uh, I think Terrell is completely correct when he mentions how many baby horror movies there are. Now we have a um, mixed couple living in a city. This is, you know, prime territory for horror movies where they're in an apartment and I don't know, there's a ghost. Yet in this movie, we open up and they're trying to have a child. And um, good news, they got one. And the dad to celebrate goes down. Uh, they're living in an apartment and there's a corner store right at the bottom, like right outside down some flight of stairs. A bodega. And uh, unfortunately, there's a couple of young toughs out there. Oh, boy. There's a couple of black dudes. The Van Dyke boys? Who are led by the uh, Van Buren boys. a very lame white dude. And I only say that because we're still in very modern film thing where the bad people have to be white. And here's the problem. He just, it did, I wasn't buying it. I just, this guy was like, what's up, man? What you doing? And they're like punking him. But again. Uh, oh, so very like straw dogs. Kind of, except straw dogs is, a, you know, I haven't seen straw dogs before. I've heard so many people talk about it. Yeah. And don't watch the remake. I question. Now, here's the thing. Gladiator is a movie that I think about a lot because it was the movie where I was like, I'm over. <laughs> I'm over the R word again. I, I'm. We've been doing a lot of YouTube editing. So on YouTube, they don't like the word. So if I ever say the R word, that's what I mean. Here's the thing. Gladiator. I remember I was very uneducated, hadn't taken my three film school introduction classes. And I recognized that you're, this is cheap storytelling. His family didn't need to die other than to get me emotionally involved where I probably wouldn't have been otherwise. This movie was doing that. And it's like, oh, here's some young toughs picking on this dude for no rational reason. Especially if you're in the UK. I know they are, they are living in the big brother world. There are fucking cameras everywhere there who actually have operators, like human operators, actively zooming in and being little narcs for everybody all over the country. Yet these dudes were being blatant. They had no motivation. This guy didn't look like he had money. He goes in there. Uh, you know, he gets by him. He's like, oh, leave me alone. They push him and he walks in. And again, I'm sure me, you and Randy have all been in a situation on a corner store where there's some guys who are like, they're already fucking with you before you even get in. And that's not a fun situation. No. Normally you might just be like, fuck it. I'll go somewhere else. He goes in again. He lives here too. He goes and he's going to buy champagne. And then here's, here's the first sign that our husband is a fucking family guy idiot. And he's like, Oh wait, she's pregnant. Maybe I shouldn't get alcohol. So he gets some non-alcoholic bubbly on the way out. 
they start harassing him again. They push him, and he gets up the stairs. Because he bought non-alcoholic champagne? No, they get up there. They're what's in the bag, man? What's in the brown bag? Ooh, 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 ooh. And then they grab, ooh, you champagne? I thought your bitch was pregnant. Because he told them. So dumb. He gets to the top of the stairs. He's like, no, it's non-alcoholic. My, my wife is pregnant. We're celebrating. And he flips them off, which is the lamest thing you can do yeah. as a cornered male yeah. is to give somebody the bird. God. <laughs> But then it's like in this movie where these dudes had no business fucking with him. Now he's gone too far. So they follow him upstairs, break into his house and beat him. Now we, we know this because we're in the bathroom with his wife. Who's I think she's taking a shit or something. And she's like, Hell Oh yeah. no, Oh no. And she starts calling the police. Again, this is not funny. And I'm, I'm laughing here because I was so like, don't do this to me. Don't put me in a terrible situation. One that I don't really want to like participate in. You ain't Michael Haneke. You know what I mean? I'm not going to learn anything from this. This isn't going to be some profound character development. I'm waiting for goblins in this movie. I don't need to watch these people get beaten. So she's in the bathroom. She's calling the police. Uh, I'm like, oh, maybe they're just going to beat him off camera. That's fine. Beat him off? She gets, no, she gets dragged out of, (laughs) shut up, Randy. She gets dragged out of the bathroom. Uh, thrown in the kitchen and they start kicking her on the floor again, pregnant. Maybe I'm too close to like having uh, my fear when Oksana was pregnant is that she was going to pull a Randy and trip on a curb. Mm. And I'm like, you know, you can't, (laughs) you can't walk around living life like this for nine months. Just worrying about like, Oh my God, she's kind of a klutz. I walked right by that same street today, by the way. Did you make it? I did. Yeah. I did this time. Did did you put some flowers down? (laughs) No, I did get really good tacos before, though. Good job, Randy. Um, anyway, they beat this girl. And I'm just like, okay. So their answer is we uh, see them in the car and they're moving. Now, through some exposition, we learn that uh, the dopey husband who... Uh, um, I don't know. He gets PTSD from this situation. Yeah. And there's an interesting arc where he starts trying to like take up boxing. And he's like, I'm going to toughen up. Yet he fails throughout the fucking movie. He's such a fucking lame ass. Like, it's, I don't know. It's kind of like if a dude fully believed in toxic masculinity and felt like he was going to the, dude, and he felt like he was going to the dark side by getting a punching bag. Like, he's he's kind of, like, got this inner struggle here. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he's Homer Simpson. All right, next we see our couple in a car, and they are fleeing the home invasion. As anybody does when they have any bad interaction in the city, you immediately turn to the countryside. Although, you know, I'm not going to grief the movie for that, as um, one of the more explained turns in this movie is they inherited something. Uh, I believe he had a family member die and left a full-on rural, like, this is a beautiful house. It's got a stone wall. It's out in Ireland. I think there might be something lost in translation here. Uh, I'm not sure what the cultural differences of people from the UK and moving to Ireland would, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if there's like an animosity there or anything, but it does come up a couple of Between times. Between England and Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I, yeah. I know there's like a colonialism narrative. Yeah. I know the barbarians of Ireland held them off and Britain was basically like, eh, okay, you could keep it. And also they're like, <laughs> we like potatoes more. And like, we like potatoes more. You know, what's funny. They had, um, so, okay. Th- there's a moment where the the dumb dad in this movie, you know, I should look up D-D. his character name. Uh, Jamie. 
oh, that they, sounds like a cuck dad. They hire some people to to work on the house, and um, somebody they say something to him, and he's like, "Oh, you want some ketchup for that huge chip on your shoulder?" <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Oh, wait, yeah, because chip is a French fry." Yeah. Better boy. Yeah. Look at you. That's good. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's a lot of Guinness talk in here too. Anyway, when they get Hell into the house, yeah. um, the the lady who shows them around is like, hey, um, you know, uh I, I'm not sure. I think it was his aunt who passed away. She was like, you know, there's a tradition that I promised I would continue where she would leave an offering every night for the fairy folk in the land. And she's like, here's there's a little part of the wall where she would just put a plate out she's like again this isn't even some like medieval tradition of bloodletting we just leave like a little bit of raw liver and you know we just leave it there every night and she's like it's really important to her so if you don't mind i'm just gonna keep it alive i'll, I'll do it every night and as a, a whole horror, liver on the doorstep yeah on it well it's removed it's an it's outer wall it's a stone wall it looks very um european and cool yeah. something you wouldn't find in america and they're it's funny because as a horror fan, you're like, oh, wait, a, like a non-main character is willing to do the burden of the ritual. That doesn't happen because these movies usually they it all relies on uh, the dumb main characters not upholding tradition. Unless it's part of the ruse. Well, here's the thing. They're like, wait, you want to come here every day to our garden and leave raw liver? And she was like, yeah. And they're like, no, we can't do that. You don't understand. We just had a home invasion and we were beaten by people. We don't need strangers showing up on our property every Putting day. fucking liver meat out there in our steps. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the same thing. Like, but you can understand how they reached that decision. I couldn't. I really couldn't. Really? Yeah, where I'm like, you know her. She's strangers, not a stranger. Strangers are strangers. People are strange when you're a stranger. <laughs> I get Now, I, I do understand how, you know, I do, you protesting this does give me a little bit of perspective because me and you do treat strangers differently. Correct. I'm like, they oh. are, they are the threat. <laughs> yeah. With me, they're family. And it's like, Hey, do you, <laughs> do you need a room? <laughs> yeah. I, so to me, this felt like completely rude. I'm like, Hey, I don't have to do it. Fine. But instead the, um, uh, Maya, the mom, she was like, or soon to be mom was like, you know what? No, no, it's fine. We don't want you here. We just had a horrific thing happen. But I promise I will keep up the tradition. And again, as a horror fan, you're like, no, you won't, bitch. You got other shit going on. You got a lame ass husband. You got a baby on the way. This ain't going to happen. Now we cut to a bar. And again, this is where every fucking horror movie kind of loses me now. Now that I hang out with, you know, our producers in Atlanta and uh, my co-host here is from Mississippi. So I am no longer afraid of the rural bar. Yet when our, when our pair walks in, Everybody in the bar stops. They all look at him and they're like, uh-oh, we should have never left the city. And then they go, hey, welcome to town. And everybody's super friendly. And they're like, hey, nice to meet you. And then everybody introduces themselves. And it's like, whoa, weird. This isn't the corner store where we don't know the hooligans that are later going to beat us in our apartment. Yeah. This is like a weird family setting. Like, it actually was kind of nice. I'm like, oh. Are they making like an argument that maybe you should meet your neighbors and not like live as like a agoraphobic urbanite? Mm -hmm. Then, you know, there's a lot of a uh, colorful talk about Guinness <laughs> as the, you would expect in a pub in Ireland. But um, we move on from here as they mentioned that they need some work done on their house and nobody's available except for the Waylands, I think was their family, the, the, the Waylands. Yeah. And uh, there's a, 
old guy he's probably been drinking a little bit. He's like, Oh, the Waylands. And they're like, Oh, what's wrong with them? He's like, Oh, nothing. Just uh, make sure the dad's around to keep them in line. You don't want them near your pregnant wife. Oh boy. As it's a family operation, there are uh, two sons, one daughter and the dad. Now the dad is the only person you may know. Um, Calm Meany, I think is the actor's name. Mm. He is, uh, his claim to fame is he's the only actor to appear in like all 24 incarnations of Star Trek. Oh boy. Who, uh, yeah. Uh, you would know him if you saw him. I believe he was an engineer in these shows. Like, I'm not well versed in Star Trek, much to the dismay of my dad. But um, this family, oh my god, the Waylands are. Fucking- oh yes, of course. Yeah, this man has been in many, many, many things. He was in Under Siege, bro. He was in Con Air. Yeah, he's been in a lot, and he's got a character face. Oh yeah. So when he's helming this family, it's almost a little bit. Um, uh, he's a little trustworthy. And you're like, maybe he will keep them in line. But unfortunately, our main pair, our couple, our soon-to-be parents are fucking cursed. Because this is almost like a rural home invasion. These people are working in the house, but they're stealing from them. There's a montage where um, the the son that is like the golden boy, the one that you know daddy likes, that is probably the most just criminal of the of this group now the, the daughter she's kind of flirting with the dad jamie and uh it's weird but i mean it felt like pretty good uh, again all the acting in this movie is solid so these weird stereotypical like uh caricatures are playing what do you work. mean the daughter's flirting with the dad she no with um jamie the soon-to-be dad oh so okay. she'll get she like winks at him and stuff although now uh our our star trek um uh i don't know what to call him alumni he does uh, insist that Maya, the uh, pregnant woman, Maya. calls him not Mr. Whalen, but daddy. He's like, call, they all call me daddy. Call me daddy. And it, you know, shit like this, the script does work in moments like this. But it's really the acting itself. This feels as gross as it should. And again, uh, you know, our emasculated um, male character in this couple, he just is so fucking inept. That this family runs all over. Now, the golden boy that I was mentioning, they have a little montage where he steals from their change jar, goes to the bathroom, takes a shit. While taking a shit, opens up one of the drawers in the bathroom, finds a vibrator, right? It, Hello. It, and it's not just your uh, your old cucumber-shaped vibrator. It's got a little curve to it. Yes, it's got a couple of, of things. You know, For those hard-to-reach places. <laughs> it's a very modern-looking uh, sex toy. So what does he do? What do you imagine he would do in a movie like this? Stick it up his butt. Well, he sniffed it. Oh, and I'm like, okay, they went for it. Then he licked it. Oh, yes. And I'm like, okay. All while he's like taking a dump. And then he uh, even better puts it back in the drawer. Yeah. Later on, um, we find out he didn't even flush. These oh. are the kind of people we're dealing with. Also, they were hired to fix the roof. There was a hole in the roof. And uh, work on the kitchen. They were supposed to do the roof first because the hole is in their bedroom. And they're like, you know what? It, it, was, it looked like it was going to rain. So we decided to work on the kitchen first. Like, these are just terrible people. And our, our couple is cursed. Again, we're in act two of this movie. Not a goblin. Mm. So I'm like, I heard the goblins were cool in here. But I'm starting <laughs> to get a little worried. No, there's no fatigue like goblin fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> no. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to go beat by beat anymore on this. And I will tell you, the goblins show up. And they're fucking fantastic. Uh, 
the other son that I haven't mentioned, I in my notes, I just referred to him as Oaf. He's a giant man uh, played by, how, how do you say that name? Yoin? But what do you point at? I'm going to lean towards <laughs> Ian. E-O-I-N. Well, Yoin, Yoin Whalen. It may be Yoin. Yeah. Now, this guy, he's got that kind of like, mm, maybe he's got a screw loose. There's something wrong, but maybe it's like Asperger's. He's a protruding forehead. He's a giant who is seen um, peeping on uh, Maya as she's going to the bathroom. Peeping, Again, not peeing. Peeping. Right? He's he's outside the bathroom window staring in That's right. with a blank face. Understood. Well, <laughs> Maya stands up for this dude as the uh, Star Trek alum beats him. Like, I guess he had a different mom. And uh, when he was being born, she died as a result of the labor. And the dad has not forgiven him. So the dad's fucking rough. Yeah, Maya's like, dude, it's fine. You got to tell somebody if there's domestic violence going on. And, you know, of course, this happens when they're deep in the woods so um, our giant, our gentle giant turns out to not be that gentle and appears to try an R-word her. He climbs on top of her. And again, she's like eight months pregnant at this point, And I'm like, oh, that baby's gone. Well, we cut away. And I'm like, so what the fuck? And then we kind of move on. And I'm like, well, what happened here? Well, this is where the word baby brain <laughs> starts showing up as she pleads to her husband to believe her that goblins came out and dragged away the giant dude to a little building where he didn't come back out of hmm. off camera. And I'm like, don't do this to me, please. And he's like, I don't know. You sound kind of crazy right now. We're doing the Steven Spielberg or not Steven, uh, Stephen King thing where we over rationalize everything. And I mean, uh, honestly, it did sound a little crazy, but then he starts going, you're pregnant. Are you sure it's not just baby brain? And I'm like, I've never heard that before. I don't even think of Rosemary's Baby. They said baby brain. That's a bad brains cover band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all pregnant women. That's right. Um, They'd be pretty good. So, uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> the goblins do come out. And you know what? They're kind of good guys in this movie. Now, they're protectors. Yeah, she, she may make a bargain with them. Because uh, when the giant oaf with the unpronounceable name goes missing, the family instantly assumes that this couple murdered him. So they show up with the intent of killing them. So here we are again. There's a home invasion in the city and a home invasion in the country. These people are cursed. Well, the thing is that the pregnant wife, again, she escapes through the fucking window upstairs, climbs down the scaffolding with a bag. Again, now I didn't mention this, but uh, the gentle giant, his head is in this bag. Oh, and they're trying to hide it from these people because a goblin brought it to her as like, Hey, we took care of this for you. The receipt. Of the and I believe this is where you walked in. You walked in at one point and you saw a goblin. Yeah. I think that's where you walked in where he's like, oh, here's a head. Yeah. And uh, hey, these goblins are fantastic. They were cool. I watched the behind the scenes on how they did it. They made um, little puppets, but they also had actors. So they made full um, like still masks that they would wear. Six different ones for six different actors. And I think they shot them doing stuff green screen. Shrunk them down, but everything was practical, except they CGI'd the face moving. So, hey, whatever they did, it's a beautiful marriage of digital effects and practical. They looked good. So there were six goblins. I think. There may have been more, but they had six individual masks that they probably used in and out. Okay, that's what I was yeah. saying. Is like, what, what is the treatment of sort of 
how we're viewing the population of the goblins. Well, what happens is that um, she runs out to the woods and is like, I need your help. I'll give you anything. And again, as a horror audience, we're like, well, we know what they're going to want. You're like nine months pregnant at this point. You probably shouldn't have struck this bargain. But when they show up, you get this beautiful kind of like assault on Precinct 13. Because they want that baby. Well, they're going to want it. But here's the thing. You're kind of like, you got to give them the baby. So they show up and the fight that breaks out between the home invaders and the, the red caps is fantastic. It's not like, here's the thing. The goblins aren't our protagonists, so they die. One of them gets an ax to the fucking head. But they all have these little daggers. Dude, it is fantastic. This third act of the movie couldn't be stronger. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too much into that. Here's the thing: they beat up the pregnant mom again. I think this woman gets beat three separate times in this movie, and it was kind of hard to watch. And by the third act of this film, she's very pregnant. In fact, she ends up having the baby, and uh the goblins take it. And she <laughs> follows them to their lair. And man, I I'm becoming known for loving a movie that gives me a lair. I love to see where a creature's living. I love uh, to get a little glimpse into the ecology. It's kind of why I liked Alan Tutorial. And the Goblin Lair, dude, for a fucking horror movie, they fucking nailed it. These are my favorite goblins in any media. I'm going to say that now. Wow. They nailed it. They all look grim. They're small. They're a little bit too small for my taste, but man, it's fucking good. I'm actually, because I've been doing some editing, I'm already planning on stealing some of the scenes from this movie to like brand. It's so fucking, there's a floating skull at one point that pours blood. It is one of my favorite things in cinema I've ever seen. Okay. And I mean that. Okay. I'm sure you do. Not a perfect movie. I gave it fucking five stars and I would <laughs> give it more if I could. Um, this, this is one of those movies that just aesthetically it was a bullseye. I, I loved it. And for having a kind of inept millennial couple, like venturing into a new part of their life and having a kid and being in their thirties, I really think um, in the modern era of cinema, we're dealing with that. We're dealing with millennials like, Hey, I'm running out of time to have a kid. And you know what? I'm kind of into this baby horror genre. And uh, as a little bit of advice, have a kid. It's fun. They're cute. They'll love you. It's better than a dog. Fuck a dog. I hate dogs. Just wait 18 years. Oh, here's the thing. Uh, With our little boy, my mom's like, oh, he's just like you. Like, he's such a nice little boy. Oh, boy. He's cute. And I'm like, well, one, uh, you can outgrow cuteness. Two, I remember being a nightmare as a teenager. So believe me, I, (laughs) your voice will echo in my head. Riders on the storm. Yeah, give it a decade and then we'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah, bro. Here's the thing. I'm not a fucking wimp like Jamie in this movie. God, there's a moment in this film where the son and the kids are going to exact revenge for the decapitated head of their brother that they found. And our dad crumbles and cries in the most pathetic display of uh, just like fatherdom I've ever seen in a movie. So much so that I felt bad for him until I was like, you know what? Kill him. He should die. Like, end this dude's life so that this single mom can find somebody else who can be a patriarch for this family. Because he needs to get out of the way. Oksana, did you feel that or was that just me projecting on it? I didn't feel it as strongly as you. I fucking hated him. Also, I'm not a klutz, for the record. 
<laughs> you did make it nine months without falling or tripping on a curb. All right. Five stars for unwelcome. 500. This sounds, I would, I would watch this. You'd have, I think it's a bummer that you walked in when you did, because you've got so much, you got blue balls for these goblins by the time they show up. Yeah. And you're like, you better be fucking good. You better be. And then you're like, oh, they're great. All right. It's good. And you're rooting for them. And then when she goes into their lair and finds who they, who's been leading them, you, you conflicted. You're like, are you really going to kill this old bitch? <laughs> There's a queen goblin. Oh, there's there's a there's a reveal in the end of this. Okay, movie. all right. But my favorite thing is the fucking goblins navigating this lair. Like the the rooms are very tiny, the doorways, and she's oh, dude. It's so good. Love it. Unwelcome. The, the, the goblin catacombs. That's tight. Goblin catacombs. I'm into <laughs> that. That's gonna be my YouTube channel. Ooh, I will not subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, boys and girls, I don't know if we're going to have a Thursday episode. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. Um, but let me tell you something right now. Uh, we brought you A-plus entertainment for a Tuesday. So happy to have you. Uh, have a good rest of the week. Randy, take us home. Uh, yeah, if we don't got nothing, uh, we'll see you on, on a Tuesday of next week. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know about this five-star rating for this movie. I, uh, I saw everyone, all of our other friends give it about two, two and a half. I think Terrell gave it a four. Uh, so I, I think I trust our other sources better. So what's up, Robbie, who gave it a two? We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.